Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, quarantined in D.C., and today my returning guest is publicist Danny Doraney. Now, he was on before, earlier this year, I believe, and I invited him back because I wanted to have a conversation with him, which I think we kind of accomplished, <laughs> but I wanted to come from the point of view of our generation, which is Gen X, and the expectations that we had growing up based on pop culture and where we are today. So to a degree, we kind of got there and we, you know, I mean, Danny is not the most political person and I I knew this going in, I've talked to him before. And we actually did probably talk about politics more than he would have liked. (laughs) So I appreciate him for being such a good sport. Um, And I, I, I think that I, I'm not even sure that I was able to get to where I wanted to go with how my generation saw and felt and, you know, experienced maybe like the eighties as a teenager and then how, what, what we expected and then where we are today to a degree we did, we did get there, but I think it just kind of went off into its own conversation and, and, and he shared and I shared and I will say this, that this is not my normal show. This is not my normal kind of show. It's not overly, I mean, we did talk about politics, but, you know, some in some cases, like, for instance, when David and I were talking the other day, David Ferguson, you know, we just talked about whatever, whatever came up. So this one was a little bit more, I think, there was a bit of a theme to it. But the thing about Danny is he, you know, he's he's a publicist, but I know him on Twitter to be somebody who always posts positive things. He posts about animals and babies. And his whole goal is to recognize, for us at least to recognize, that while there is division in politics and we're, there's a cult thing happening in our country, blah, 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 all this stuff that we talk about every day on my show, uh, there is also something that, brings us all together as our humanity love brings us together laughter brings us together you know one of the things that he mentioned was the olympics how like we can all be patriotic and 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 feel like we can come together when it's about the olympics now we are living in this really divided time but there have been other times in history where we've been divided and we've been able to not become perfect because we'll never be perfect but we've been able to overcome some of the division and have a more like for instance I mean uh, as much as I don't like George W. Bush there was a feeling of unity right after 9-11 that unity was exploited I think by the Republican Party of course and 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 there was all this fear that was sold to us but but still there was a, there was this humanity and this unity that happened and so Danny I believe truly just wants to be able to be somebody who can pull that out of us and 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 I will say that after our conversation I I did begin to start to wonder like what is it that I could do because I'm always going to be who I am but what is it that I can do to help help you know what I mean Outside of what I already do, how can I, how can I, Kimberly Ann Johnson, who I have a little bit of power in this world, we all have our little bit of power, each one of us, how is it that we can help and, and make it better? Because, and if you start to wonder, 
like, oh, I, we can't. We're too far divided. We did come together in this election, and we did for, vote for Biden, and we did come together in 2008, and obviously pissed off a certain group of people, but it was a huge number of people who voted for Obama. It was a huge number of people who voted for Joe Biden. So there was unity, and I think that we're, we're, we're really dealing with some major wounds. We've done this before. We've had major wounds before. And I think there's, there's something that we can each do individually. And maybe, you know, what Danny is trying to do is find that love, find that warmth that we all want. So that's kind of where our conversation went. And it was a little bit all over the map, but it was also a little bit like controlled. So you'll just have to judge for yourself. It is not my normal show. But that's okay because I think that there, at least for me, I took something very positive out of it. If you did, that's great. If you, if you didn't, then I don't know what to say, but, it's a, but you know I love comments. So I want to hear what you have to say. I also want to be very clear that I, I did a, I always do, and I'll get to this in a second, but I, I do a patrons-only show. It's called Kimberly's After Party, after every free show. And I did talk about this person that I mentioned on the show yesterday on the patrons only show that she, uh, a friend of mine who, and I, we, we, like we, we stopped being friends because of her take on COVID. I have something to say about that. And I have some strong ass opinions and I'm sure you're not surprised <laughs> anyway. So, so that's who I had. That's the show today. And it's slightly different than my normal show. So just keep that in mind. I want you to know that I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i got Bob Seska booked for next Monday. And we're definitely going to talk about some of his, some, some things that are not political. There, I, I know that he's talked on his own show about some of his hobbies, let's say, or experiences that he's had working in other, you know, he's, he was in animation, He's designed album covers. So we're going to talk about that kind of stuff. We're going to talk, you know, a little bit about his political world and his life, but we're going to really focus on his personal world. And then on Wednesday, Steph is going to be my last guest of the year, Steph Walton. And I think what I'm going to do is probably just do a patrons only good, you know, end of the year thing by myself. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do with it, but that's going to be the last patrons only thing. As far as, you know, not the Kimberly's after party, but patrons only. So I do two of those a month. Steph and I just did one. So those are going to be my guests coming up. That'll be it until the end of the year. And then once we get back in the new year, I will be all ready to fucking go. I'm going to be ready to go. And it'll, I'm going to, you know, just go back to my normal. People like Glenn Kirshner, people who are, are ready to analyze what's happening politically and we're just going to pick it up where we left off. So the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners. And it's woman run, me. I don't have any corporate backers. I don't use advertisers. It's patrons who keep the show going. So if you, if you do enjoy today's show, keep in mind it's a little bit different than most of my shows. But take a look at the about page on the patreon.com slash startmeup. So you're going to find the... You're going to links to past guests that I've had. I've interviewed all kinds of people. Mostly it's political. Sometimes they're actors. And then occasionally, like the last four shows of this year, are basically just, well, today we did talk about some politics, but mostly more fun stuff. So every once in a while, I like to do a show where we just, we don't talk about politics. We talk about whatever we want and whatever comes up. So 
If you like it, please consider becoming a patron for any dollar amount. But let's say you start off with two bucks. You could always upgrade later. And I do free shows on Mondays and Wednesdays. And then I do two patrons only shows per month. And after each free show, I do a show for patrons only called Kimberly's After Party, where I talk about whatever I want to talk about. So the, if, you, if you sign up for $4 or less, you get the two free shows, plus you get the one patrons only show that I do. If you sign up for $5 or more, you get everything. Everything's delivered to your email box. All the Kimberly's after parties, all the, all the patrons only shows and the free shows. And every once in a while, I just throw one in for fun. <laughs> so, so there's that. And just, you know, like I said, visit patreon.com slash start me up. You can also make a one-time donation by checking out the text in my Patreon description. I always include my email address and you can use that on PayPal. And then don't forget, and thank you for everybody who always does this, um, just you could find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. So if you go to Apple Podcasts through iTunes, or however you get there, please become a subscriber because it's free. And then while you're there, please give me a rating and a review because I need reviews. Plus, at the end of every show, I always give the information where to find my books if you want to get my book, please review it if you like it. I always, I always make that uh, point because I can't, I can't make it enough. <laughs> it's all about the reviews. So anyway, please enjoy my conversation with Danny Duraney. Welcome back to the show, Danny. Well, thank you very much, Kimberly. Thank you for having me on again. Of course. You know, I, uh, part of the reason that I wanted to have you on is because I, you know, I do two shows every week. And most of the time, the majority of the time, I'm focusing on politics, and I just can't. I just can't. I mean, I, the conversation that we're going to have today is connected to politics, but it's, we're not going to talk about, you know, what, is Donald Trump going to have a peaceful transition and all that stuff. It's, it's going to be a conversation about the messages and themes and all the stuff that we got from pop culture as Gen Xers. So I, I wanted to talk to you because, first of all, number one, you you always have the most delightful Twitter feed. It's so filled with, uh, like, positive, sweet, nice things, oftentimes animals and children. And I know that when we talked the last time, I mean, politics is not necessarily your thing. Uh, you're a publicist. But I also figured, you know, you're, you're an interesting character, and I think you would, uh, it, it's going to be, I know that, now correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you are Armenian, correct? I'm half. Half, um, okay. My mom is Armenian, my father is Lebanese, and also a wow. little bit of Italian, which we, also, we always say came from the, well, not we, I, <laughs> I always say came from the mailman, because nobody recognizes it. <laughs> um... <laughs> But yes, okay. I am. I am three. I am three of the hairiest races, and I cannot grow. A, and I cannot grow a beard. <laughs> oh, the irony! <laughs> yes. Now, were you were born in the states? I was. Okay, so so that gives me an, enough information to know that I mean, you and I are. I mean, I'm a little older than you are. I think I'm seven years older than you are, but. Okay. Um, you know, I think th that it's an interesting perspective that we have because I don't want to make this show about Gen Xers per se. I What I want it to be is, like I said, I mean, there were certain things that occurred during my youth 
just like anybody's youth that shapes you and it 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 makes you expect certain things oh Mm -hmm. we're going in this direction or whatever it is you know have expectations like for instance i expected that by this age and i'm currently 52 no i think i'm six years older than you anyway so i figured we'd have more than one female presidents and we don't and you know i mean there i i figured that there would be certain things and there's and it's interesting to me because on one hand i thought we were really 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 progressive country even though I recognized we had problems. And then on the other hand, um, there were the problems. And, I, and I, I saw and felt them to a certain degree. My white privilege certainly shielded me from some of the real ugliness that existed. Like for instance, if, I, if, I, if you talk to a black person who is my age, they're going to have a completely different experience than I ever did. And they're gonna know things that I'm only starting to realize now. And it's not to say that I was ignorant toward racism. It's just that I was kind of ignorant towards how and where it existed. And, and, I'll, and I'll start with, let's start with TV shows. Well, first of all, I mean, I was a latchkey kid. I don't, I think I, I came from divorced parents. We're going to get to TV shows in a minute. I came from divorced parents, but I, I think that your parents are still together, correct? Yeah, they've been together for 51 years. No, wow. more. They've been married for 51 years together, I think, a little bit more than that. Wow. Well, and that's perfect because there's certain, like, my boyfriend, his parent, well, his parents are divorced now, but they they stayed together, you know, while the kids were growing up. And I think when they finally separated, divorced, he was an older teenager. But he, you know, he grew up in a very traditional family. They were Catholic and they practiced their religion. He actually was a Republican. Now he's not. But I did not have that traditional American upbringing where the two parents stay together. And, you know, my parents split up. I had liberal parents. Both of them were liberal. And when I say liberal, I mean small L liberal. They, you know, just liberal people as, as opposed to being, they were Democrats, sure. but it was just liberal minded people. So, you know, my, when I was, I think I started becoming, I, I started staying home by myself when I was eight. Seven, seven. And the reason why My God. I know. And the reason why I requested it, because I had a crazy aunt and uncle. And I mean, crazy. And I stayed there at their house after school all during the first grade. And then probably most of the time through my second grade. And I then I asked my mom because their their home was insane. It was just an insane, very dysfunctional place. And I said, can I please stay by myself? And you know, I mean, it was a couple of hours and she said yes. And so I stayed by myself when I was seven and eight years old. Although when I was eight, we had moved uh, to an apartment and there was a woman down, there was a family downstairs that kind of half took care of me. So I was like usually there and my mom would come home. Anyway, so I had that experience. But, you know, as somebody who's a Gen Xer, I grew up with TV, man. That was my babysitter. I watched it in the uh, Saturday mornings. You know, I watched uh, all of the... The, the, the popular shows, especially in the 80s, and so that's what I wanted, you know, like, I watched, the, on different strokes, there was an episode mm-hmm. where the two boys were excluded, they weren't allowed to go into their, when their father was in a country club, of course it was all white, the little boys wanted to come in, and the guy wouldn't let them in, and then Mr. Drummond oh, found out. I remember that episode. Yeah, yeah, it was a big deal, and, you know, and the message to me was racism is fucking bad. 
it's bad. Yeah. And, and, and that was the message I got. Like, for instance, there was a Family Ties show where they got a gun. And, in, and eventually they discovered that they didn't want to have the gun because they thought it was too dangerous. And then they did a PSA about guns. And, you know, there, were, there was the facts of life where Natalie was walking home from a dance and I can't remember exactly, somebody tried to attack her or something. So sexual assault was brought up. And I mean, I feel like I remember being a little kid or a teenager and watching these shows and thinking that we were just a very progressive nation. And I'm wondering if that's what you were thinking. And especially since you have a different background than I do. Well, you know, I mean, my background, I mean, I, I mean, look for, for being a Gen Xer, and I always tell this to everyone, you know, because of my skin color, I think I have passed through white most of my life. <laughs> nobody, nobody really thinks, oh, here's an Arab American kid, you know, because I mean, look, my, my dad is, you know, he was born in Egypt. I mean, to, a, to an American, Arab American World War II uh, soldier. Mm-hmm. And he met my grand, and he met my grandmother in Egypt while he was stationed in Egypt. So my grandfather's a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. So my dad grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey for, you know, for a lot of his life. So, mm-hmm. and my mom is assimilated. So much more than other, others who come here from, you know, from, from where she's from, they kind of hold the flag of both countries in mm-hmm. hand where my mom pretty much assimilated really quickly and Lebanon too was, was such an, a, uh, you know, it was as European as it was, it was also very into American culture. So, mm-hmm. you know, l- growing up, I, 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 I don't think it's much different. The only thing that was really different that, that from me and anyone else is like food. And, and, and sometimes my mom would throw in random, you know, would throw an Armenian, you know, into things we were trying to say because she wanted me to learn it. Right. Um, so, I mean, I really lived in an like in, in an Americanized house. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was much different other than the food. Well, I just, I just um, mean like having two parents that are still together today. <laughs> you know, it's something I yeah. didn't have. Yeah. Sure, and, and and you know, and my dad was a product of divorce too. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I mean, it's really a testament, you know, to them. And, and I, and I know also that he didn't, you know, he, he was also much different from, from, from what I guess, you know, they were, but that mm-hmm. being said, um, you know, I, when I look back now at these shows, it, I mean, it, it's like, it's like no other, like the 1980s, was like no other, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, experience for television. I mean, how yeah. many very special episodes were there? Right. How many like almost PSA episodes mm-hmm. were there to say, you know, at the end of the show saying, you know, this is bad. That doesn't exist. It didn't exist before. I mean, it kind of did. There was like a little, what is the preemptive or the little side note thing, but, but it, it nothing yeah i mean i i i always say we were we had an entire decade where we put missing children on milk cartons yeah that to me is so i mean look look i mean that freaked me out as a kid but looking back now it's so weird you know it's like (laughs) i just it just seems so bizarre to me that we we 
we're looking for kids while we're drinking having cereal <laughs> in the morning. You know, it it made it. I'm laughing, but it... <laughs> you know, I I was I mean I I was conditioned that, and my mom did it too. You know, that I was going to get kidnapped at any given moment. Right. Yes. You know, you, you know, or or you know, my mom. You know, she'd be concerned you know like you know you know there's crazies out there or whatever you mm-hmm. know trying to make me scared not on purpose because i know she was right worried. she wanted you to be careful but, yeah but i was i was convinced that here comes a guy in a cd big van he's gonna come and take me away <laughs> and you know that part really freaked me out and mm-hmm. and i and the funny thing is as strict as my parents were with me when we lived in Redondo Beach, California, uh, we I lived, you know, in a, just a normal suburban community. I would ride my bike alone mm-hmm. at the age of eight. Yeah, and I would go a mile to the. My mom allowed this to the Seven Eleven, where I would buy a Slurpee, and probably play. You know, spend about five dollars on whatever dumb video game mm-hmm. that was at Seven Eleven. Mm-hmm. Parents and and a, and a lot of us, you know, I mean, there's more, I'm sure I'm not the only one who did this or something similar, but people freak out about their child just taking a walk down the street now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just, and, and, you know, like I'll, like my daughter will say something who's now 11, you know, I go, why don't you just go to 7 Eleven or why don't you just go somewhere and do it? And, you know, and my wife will like say, you want her doing that? I'm like, we did this, you know, and it's like, or people will say times are different now. I'm like, no, they're not. What's the difference? We had kids on milk cartons. It was ingrained in us. How yeah. many kidnappings do you hear today? I mean, that, I mean, or TV shows that have a, a kidnapping episode. Yeah. We were, I mean, we were literally taught to fear being kidnapped, you know, just like we were taught to fear. Like I thought, uh, quicksand was going to be more important. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, why is there always quicksand? There was quicksand always the fear real? of quick, the threat Where of quicksand. They, there's always quicksand. <laughs> that's so funny and that's so true. I oh my god, um, yeah. I mean, I I remember I remember that fear too. I mean, I and now that you bring it up, and I think that. It's, you know, I mean, I'm watching right now, I'm watching the Reagans. And it's mm-hmm. while, you know, at the time, of course, during the 80s, because they, you know, it was, it's interesting because in the 70s, there was this like gritty feel. And it's not mm-hmm. just when I look back on gritty, you know, footage, I can remember it that way. That's kind of how I remember. You know, it's funny. I do too. Yeah, I think a lot of us I do. I absolutely do. But that's because in the 80s, it transitioned and yeah, a lot of corduroy. It transitioned into a completely different world because of the Reagans and and what they represented. And we got and all of a sudden credit was king, and it was like buy more than you can afford. Whereas in the seventies, there was I mean, of course there were rich people and there there was a class situation. But I really think it it started to come out more in the eighties. And like when I think in terms of color. I think of the 80s having like this drab orange, drab green, drab yellow. When I think of the 80s, I think I just said the 70s. So that's what I saw for the 70s. And for the 80s, it was all like bright red, blue, green, purple. It was just 
so many colors and it was exciting and everything popped and there was crazy fashions. And again, it's interesting because we had a conservative president and at the time, I, c I can look back on those fashions now and say, oh my God, you know, the, the clothes that we wore covered our entire bodies. And we had these huge shoulder pads. We had everything up to our necks. Everything was closed or, or, or covered. And at the time, though, I thought it was extremely risque. I thought we were being so bold. I mean, we had bold fashion, for sure, bold color, bold cut and everything. But it seemed to me uh, somewhat like, I don't know, I mean, I, I guess risque is the wrong word, but it's close to risque. It was like, it, it, was, it was just this huge, bold statement that we were making with our clothes. And everything was big and everything was bright. And it was all about, you know, I mean, th this ridiculous notion that you had to have all these things in order to be happy. Like the big thing was like neon palm trees in your living room and, and oh being, God. you know, being able to purchase that and keeping up with the Joneses, which is like the different, you know, there was, there was definitely a recession in the seventies. There were gas lines and there was all this just, it was, it was tough. It was tough right before Reagan came in. And, you know, as I'm watching this documentary, I, again, was not political, I was not following politics. I was just going what I saw. And, and as I watch it, I remember certain incidents and I remember certain scandals as they crept up over the years. But for me, it, it didn't feel like a conservative era. It really felt liberal. And it really felt like uh, we, were, we were kind of breaking all these... Like they're like the not that we weren't being polite, but we were allowed to be crude and we were allowed to be um, mm -hmm. more sexual. And and I mean, I know that was happening in the 60s and 70s, but I was the kid in the 80s. So it's the way I saw it. It was like I thought, oh, you know, that they're there. We're, we're so much more evolved and we're so much more mature as a as a society now. I mean, of course, I look back and I laugh at my at my ignorance. But I think that I felt like when I was growing up, I thought we were really, really, really moving toward progress. And I thought, and we have, we have moved toward progress, but then recently, in recent years, we've gone back. And there's all kinds of reasons. I mean, we've taken steps forward in some areas and we've taken steps backwards in other areas. And of course, one of the, one of the most prominent is, is racism. You know, I mean, Obama exposed the racism that was always there but was kind of hidden because we shunned people who were openly racist and then they just mm -hmm. were pissed off that he was the president and then we got Donald Trump who basically just you know somebody I saw somebody on Twitter say it's it's not, I mean it was of course it was always there but it was like he just pulled the, up the rock and exposed everybody and I mean they were kind of already exposed but it's it's become something that I don't even recognize and the funny thing is is in the 80s you know, we had the Cold War and everybody was talking about Russia. And I started off that decade living in communist Russia. I lived in Soviet Russia in 1980, 81. I was uh, 12 years old and I, I went to school there for nine months. You know, I lived there for about nine months. And so I had this impression of America that we were just superior and we were, our democracy was beautiful and I was such a patriot and I saw what it was like to live in a police state. So my experience coming off of that and going into being a teenager into the bright, exciting 80s with all these special shows, like you were saying, with PSAs and, oh, look, we, we're, we're not a racist country and we're not a sexist country. And it turns out, yeah, we actually, we actually are. <laughs> and and we're, not, yeah. we're not really 
we're not really talking about it. And and now we're talking about it. But it's like, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like as a kid, I felt as a girl that nothing was going to stop me. Nothing was, being a woman wasn't going to stop me. But it, in fact, there were many reasons why I, b- b- why women are, are not able to, like, we're still not ready for a woman president. I mean, we were with Hillary, but you know what I mean. Like, she got more, she got more votes than tr- than Donald Trump. But the way that our system is set up, and and all of the decades of anger toward her from both parties, absolutely played a part. And part of the anger toward her is the fact that she was female. I mean, there were other things that they didn't like about Hillary Clinton, and I say <coughs> they just meaning Americans. Um, you know, but the fact that she was a woman was a big deal. And it, it, it kind of saddens me, but I also feel like it's giving us this opportunity. We have this fresh start now with Biden winning, and we're going to go in a new direction, hopefully. And I'm, I, I feel hopeful, but I'm also feeling frightened. And I'm just wondering like, how you're feeling as somebody who's not really the most political person. Um, moving forward, we're gonna, you know, we, got, we got this new shot because Trump's going to be out. Uh, his his ideology and stuff will remain with a certain amount of people, a huge amount. Sure. But like, what do you think is is coming? You know, I I look at it as the way you know the same way when Trump got into office. You know, I, I've never thought ever that a president affects me. You know, I mean, obviously some of the decisions and, and so forth, but, you know, it's like as long as this, 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 and this is happening, you know, regardless of who's in office, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm working, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, 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 that things are okay. But, it, what, but obviously when bad things are happening, such as we, you know, such as we saw the last four years yeah. and, and what we saw in the Bush years, yeah. uh, where, where the, you know, the economy went into the to the shitter and and you know we're in this war that l- made no sense whatsoever to even have mm-hmm. um not that war makes sense period right uh you know those are the, that's the, the those are the problems that that i that i have mm-hmm. and i always look at it whenever there's a president in office it's like okay how is this going to affect me and how are things going to be better mm-hmm. i i mean with what we have now, you know, I mean, we look at when when Hillary was in office, was in office, what should have been in office. Mm-hmm. But the problem was people didn't come out to vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, enough people didn't come right. out to vote. I think was the major issue. Yeah. I'm not going to get into like our voting was hacked or whatever. I'm not going to get into the science, but I mean, to me, just people didn't. Not enough people came. Just sat home. Mm-hmm. But that being said, you know, uh, I you wonder how like those those next four years are going to be but the problem is is going back to 2016 where we you have to have that kind of attitude of okay look we won but it's not over we need to continue to do this this and this we can't sit back the way we did after eight years of obama and and say you know oh everything's good now i'm done i'm back Mm -hmm. to my normal life no you got to keep making sure these things are happening. You mm-hmm. got to make sure you're educating people in other states who are still, you know, covered in a shroud of ignorance mm-hmm. or, or or are constantly, you know, standing in the middle and not not understanding, you know, both sides of the issue, or you know, are just sheltered. Mm-hmm. 
so I mean, to me, I'm looking at this, you know, this is fantastic. You know, I had the pleasure, you know, being uh, when I worked as when I was a journalist for a few years in in San Francisco, I had the pleasure of covering Kamala, Har- uh, oh, wow. Kamala Harris in uh, when she was the assistant DA, you know, and she was fabulous, uh, you know, to work with. I've always admired her. I've always respected her. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy about, about the future, but again, it's, it's things getting done. I think my only concern is, uh, I, rem- I mean, look, I, I wasn't, I was clearly too young when Jimmy Carter was president. Mm-hmm. It's like, I remember it, but I don't remember too much outside right, yeah. of the, uh, outside of the, the, the Israel Egypt, mm-hmm. uh, uh, meeting and, and, you know, just him being on TV. And <laughs> I always felt that whoever was president in, in whether they were Republican or a Democrat, I always thought they were going to be screwed in 1976 or 77 <laughs> because they were inheriting an America that was sad. They were, mm-hmm. they were inheriting an America that was, uh, you know, those, they were down. There was the economy was in the shitter New York was in shambles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I always felt that whoever was going to be president, if if something didn't happen enough quickly, mm-hmm. or things weren't done in, a, in a, an appropriate manner, that they were going to they were essentially given a, a bad deck regardless. Mm-hmm. So they something would have happened. So I think you know Reagan kind of kind of you know he did the Trump thing in in, in a way. I mean not, not I'm not comparing the two. But like, but as far as you know, he got a catchy slogan, which I forget what it was, but I know it was similar to "Make America Great." It again. was "Make America Great Again." I mean, he did actually yeah. say that. Yeah, it was. It was. It was one of those. But he got a great slogan. Mm-hmm. He got a hundred. You know, because look, this guy's ran for president how many times before and failed. Mm-hmm. And then you know, he got behind that, and, and America still wasn't where up to the standards that it's accustomed mm-hmm. to. And it, I mean, and, and everything just kind of, you know, came at the right time, and 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 you know, it was just a, it was just perfect timing for him. Yes, it was. And he had the right message. Right. Yeah. So I think, so it's, it's kind of like the same thing. It's like, okay, we had these four years of a guy who coattailed eight years, uh, you know, eight years of an excellent presidency that was mm-hmm. just constant growth after growth, after growth, never really passed any major, major legislation mm-hmm. of, of the economy outside of the, 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 uh, what do you call it? tax bill thank you the tax bill i was trying to think of a clever name for um see how much of a politics guy and um you know he coattailed that never had any never added anything to it you know and and he and he just essentially decided to make it its own but you know now the economy's you know it's somewhat bad and Mm -hmm. people aren't working and we have covid and Mm -hmm. everything Biden's got a lot of work to do. Yes, he does. So it's like I'm hopeful. I'm I'm hopeful that he does, but my fear is that it's going to yeah. be like a Jimmy Carter thing again. Right. So that's why it's like being cognizant of okay, this is we don't want what we just had. We have to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, yes, and not giving up because I think the I think the, any other party, and I'm not going to say the Republican Party because I don't think the Republican Party exists hmm. right now, mm-hmm. and. Anyone who, who, you know, especially I think these, these con- conspiracy theorists and, and, and people who are very pro-Trump, they're ready to eat it up again in mm-hmm. four years. Right. So I think that's the thing that we have to be – I'm very hopeful, mm-hmm. but we got to keep fighting yeah. in order to remain that hope. 
Yeah, I totally feel the same way you do because I feel like, um, I, I, you know, you mentioned with Reagan, he came along at a, like a dark time. People were not happy. It was not a positive feeling. And he promised, you know, he, he, he portrayed this all-American guy and, you know, Mr. Cowboy hat wearing movie star who understood how to use the camera and he was he wasn't a reality star, but he was a movie star, and and he basically took on the persona of his. And I'm learning a lot of this right now because I mean I had some idea about it before, but watching the Reagans on Showtime, it's a fascinating documentary. It's kind of maddening, but it's also amazing because there are a lot of parallels between the two, between Trump and Reagan. I think the diff one of the main differences is Reagan was a racist, but he didn't believe he was a racist. He, he thought he mm. wasn't. And his son, Ron Reagan, said something like, you know, he's really good at one-on-one. -on -one. Like, you could see that he really cared and he was heartfelt when he would deal with people on a one-on-one. -on -one. But when, when he was considering groups of people, specifically groups of black people who he assumed were on welfare, uh, you know, when really welfare recipients were, it was like out of every four there were three white people and one black person, but the picture painted to the United States was that it was all these black people on welfare and they were the ones, you know, who were breaking all the rules and, and there was all these dog whistles, so many similarities, it's crazy. But I think the mm -hmm. thing is, is that Reagan had a message that resonated. I mean, he got 489 of the electoral votes and, mm -hmm. you know, every, and, and unfortunately, the majority of people who voted for him were white people, I think 14% were black. But it was he told the country what the country wanted to hear. And he made everybody feel like, you know, patriots. I mean, clearly he got 489 electoral votes. So he got a lot of people convinced to vote for him. Um, sure. now, now, Trump is a little bit different because he, you know, and an another difference that I saw was, you know, uh, Reagan was more on the humble side or the faux humble side. Like, I'm not going to say that I'm going to run for president because the public needs to let me know if they want me to run. Whereas Trump is just like, I'm running and you're going to love it and there's going to be so much winning. So, you know, right. the ambition, you know, Ron Reagan Jr. pointed out that his father did not want to appear ambitious. He wanted to appear humble, whereas Trump obviously wants to tell everybody what a big guy he is and show off and all that. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that's differences. And there's, you know, there's differences because of the time that was in between and what's happened in between. But I agree with you because I feel like, okay, we've got this man who promised to be a bridge to the, to the younger generation, which is Joe Biden. And then we've got Kamala Harris, who is way more than competent to be the president, and maybe she mm -hmm. will be the nominee. That worries me because I feel like I don't trust this country with uh, electing a black woman, even if she's more capable than anybody else we have or anybody that the Republican Party runs. I, I think we're still dealing with so much racism and so much sexism that, it, it, you know, I mean, I certainly would love to see a black woman be the president of the United States. I think we should have already had several. But, you know, whether it's a woman of color in general, uh, you know, I mean, it was great that we, we finally got it together and we elected a black man and he turned out to be a really good president. And he made the effort, you know, to he was scandal free and he. You know, I mean, not everybody agrees with everything he did, but overall, I think he has a, I mean, I think he's a, one of the best presidents we had. I know there would be some who argue with me on that, but either way, he's going down in history as a good president. 
And yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he, he got the economy back. He, you know, it was just, it, it's amazing, but I, you know, I, I, I still grapple or not grapple, but it's like, I can, I can look back on my youth and all the things, you know, like for instance, there's Madonna, Madonna came along and she told me women can do anything. They can, you know, it was funny because my grandmother who was a Catholic and just one of the most sweet, the sweetest women that ever lived, she said something like, the only thing Madonna has left to do is take a crap on the stage. And that was her opinion of her. That was not my opinion of her. But I appreciated that, that she could be crude or she could be sexual and be popular. And it's not that I wanted to be so sexual because I was a little bit of a prude when I was a teenager. And I, you know, I, I was a little embarrassed of sex and things like that. But I liked that, that women we're now free and like Cher, Cher was in the seventies, but still through the eighties, we watched her, you know, dancing on stage with, with see-through pantyhose and, you know, slapping guys on the ass. And so to me, it was like, oh my God, that everything is changing and women are bold and they're, they're wearing their tennis shoes coming home from wall street and they're, they're, you know, they're changing the world and the glass ceiling is broken and all this stuff. And Kamala Harris is breaking glass ceiling on her own. Yet on the other hand, I feel as a woman right now, especially in a Trump world, I never felt so, I'm not, like I wasn't scared for my life or anything like that. And I wasn't at the, while Trump has been president, I haven't looked for a job or worked a normal job. I've, you know, been a podcaster. I've been writing politics. So I didn't really have to worry too much about sexism in the workplace, especially as a woman, you know, who I'm now 52. When he, when he entered office, I was, what, it was like 48 or whatever it was. Um, but, you know, it's harder when you're a woman if you're going to enter the workforce, if you haven't been in the workforce for a while, especially if you're older. So it's like I have these two running stories. Like there's the running story of, wow, we've made these really great strides. And then on the other hand, especially while Trump was president, I felt concerned. Not so much for me, but I was concerned for women in general. I was concerned for the women that are losing the, the right to have an abortion because their abortion clinics are not available. Or, or, you know, or if it was pay, you know, pay equity. Or you know, Elizabeth Warren was always talking about childcare and stuff like that. And it was like, there's all these things that women are facing right now. And it's not just women, but I'm just choosing women, but like all these things that women are facing that are terrible. And, and it's not fair. It's absolutely not fair that women are held to different standards and can't, you know, face certain discriminations. Same thing with people of color. Um, but, you know, so it's like, there's this I don't know, there's this kind of like up and down balance thing where I'm on one hand, yeah, we've made advancements and on the other, we've gone so far back. And I'm hoping that Joe Biden can, you know, truly bridge the gap to the younger generation. And then, I, and then like you said, I'm concerned that if we're not able to keep people's interest and keep people engaged in what's happening because we don't have this crazy man running around tweeting crap all the time, that we're going to lose it. And... And, I, and, I, and it's like, I, I can look at the, the people from my generation, and sadly, I hate to say this, but Gen Xers, a lot of them either didn't vote or a lot of them did vote for Trump. And I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I, I think the fact that he got as many votes as he did, I, 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 don't, I still don't understand I know. How, how that happened. 
Um, maybe it's because just like for Biden, more people came out to vote because of fear or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, it is something, it is a head scratcher, but yeah, you have to maintain that momentum and not get complacent. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I, I actually, it, I actually miss old school Republicans mm-hmm. uh, to be, to be <laughs> honest. I'm not talking about ones who, you know, like the Strom Thurmond's or not the Strom. Was he Republican or Democrat? You know, I have to, I, I think he was, a I Republican, forget. I don't know. I know, I, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking but, about, you know, but I'm talking about the ones who are, you know, who come from the South and, you know, that have that obvious, those racist vibes that, I mean, that, that we've seen in the past, but, um, but people who were who were like who were like that that you know on either party or whatever, but but from Republicans in particular that weren't you know fear mongering because of for war or whatever, it's just well. Strom just Thurmond supported. I'm looking at a, he was a Dixiecrat that supported racial Dixie segregation. Crap, thank you. Yes. Yeah, he supported racial segregation. So there's that. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so so to me, it's. I, I miss I miss I just miss the nat the the basic conservative, you know that that just existed, you know, and and I I, I don't see that anymore, you know. Right. I, it's just, for me it's so hard to find. I think we're seeing a new breed of of people who are because of this president are just letting it all hang out and 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 mm-hmm. showing us who they really are. Our job, I think as liberals or in independents and mm-hmm. or, or, or Republicans who don't agree at all too, because mm-hmm. there are many yeah. is to, again, it's, is to keep that momentum going and not getting complacent. Yeah. And as long as we do that, then I think it's going to be okay. You know, I think we are still doing that. You know, the thing that's funny to me is that after Biden won the election, it's like people are still, tweeting the same and they're still talking about they're still retweeting him i've never retweeted the president in my life i've only Um, quote tweeted but not retweeted i don't even do that (laughs) i I refuse because Mm -hmm. to me and i and some people may disagree with me but when he was running in 2016 i go i i I believe our whether you like it or not retweets are endorsements it doesn't matter if you are saying i hate him i love him You're, you're you're just it's Look, I'm a publicist. It's fantastic PR. Every single time you. No, you're you're absolutely right. But I I think in on I think the one thing I think there's two different camps as far as there are people who comment on politics all the time, right? And they are analyzers. Mm -hmm. They, you know, I mean, I I look to certain people to learn from. You know, there's all these different people that I follow on Twitter or I watch on television. (laughs) Yes. but, you know, like maybe Joy Reid or somebody like that where I, you know, to me, she's more far advanced. Even my boyfriend, Bob Seska, who's done politics for a living. I think it's important for journalists to, I think, paint, yes. you know, it's like it's important for journalists to accurately paint the picture of what's going on. Um, they don't always do that. And then there's just regular people. And so I am all for regular people shunning him. I am also all for, like, you know, I thought that MSNBC and some of, and CNN gave too much time to Donald Trump when they didn't give enough time to Hillary Clinton when she was talking about certain things and, you know, he, he, they got an empty podium, a camera on an empty podium waiting for him. 
And I, I think they got that wrong. But I think he needs to be paid attention to because he's still got the nuclear codes. He's still the president of the United States and he still has power. Mm. But but mm. I think it would be fucking awesome if all the people who are not involved in news media whatsoever in journalism whatsoever would just turn it off, like block him, not even see him, not comment on him because it would it cut off so much of his oxygen and it would be great. But it's really difficult because people have these passionate feelings about, you know, who's leading. And I think he I think he represents the perfect example that presidents do have a very direct effect on your life, because right now you are forced to wear a mask and socially distance at this time where people in New Zealand don't have to do it because the president made a decision to ignore and not handle this virus properly. And we're all paying the price for it. And so, you know, I mean, and he is on his way out, and I'm certainly hopeful. And I think there's a good possibility that he's going to, and I saw Scaramucci said this today, not that Scaramucci is the person to listen to, how Sparks did agree with him, and I had said this prior to Scaramucci, but basically that when Trump is gone, I think his, I think the energy for him is going to start to fall apart. I, I, he's going to still be around, and he's still going to have this, base that's gonna because he's a cult leader and his cult is gonna follow him and they're enough of them to be dangerous but at the same time i think there's going to be people are just gonna be fucking sick of him you know what i mean it's like oh my god we've done you now we're moving on and it's not even coming from a political place it's just coming from a place like all right we've done this and we're fucking finished (laughs) you know and we want to look at 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 danny's twitter feed now because it's fun (laughs) and there's there's fun things to think about but i think we also have to like you said you know i mean we all have to stay on top of it and make sure that the truth is out there so that we don't make the same mistakes and we don't repeat right and you know i i want to just also bring up that it is you know it sounds fun and silly and all this stuff but people like you who have, okay, maybe you're not the most political, and thank you for talking about politics, even though I didn't really want to make this so much about politics, but it's just, I think okay. it's just the, 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 the world that we live in and, and like trying to, uh, you know, yes, it's, it's a political situation, but it's like we're just trying to make our way and we're just trying to find our happiness. And so it's like your feed, one could just say, oh, this is a silly conversation about dog videos, but the thing is, is that one of the things that has made me... Um, helped me stay sane are these kinds of videos that you post watching heartfelt sweet because I get sometimes I just get so disappointed in people and I will always have a certain there will always be a certain part of me that's disappointed in people as long as the climate is going down the shithole and as long as people are treated like you know crap by other people there's going to be a disappointment but I also recognize that there's so much beauty and we have to look at that beauty and remind ourselves because it's very easy to get bogged down, especially with COVID, especially with the amount of deaths that are happening now and, and people getting sick and people not taking it seriously and all. It's like we have to remember to laugh. We have to remember to have our heart swell because we see, you know, somebody helping someone else. Like there's a really cute video going around of that little girl on the sofa who was looking out the window and dancing with the, the mailman. You know, it's like things like that make us remember the good and make us feel like, okay, there's, there's reason to fight for what's right. And part of fighting for what's right is just reminding people that there is beauty and that there is good. 
you know? (laughs) So I I, I I absolutely do appreciate what you do. But that's why I do it. I mean, look, we have 24 hours a day. We're not always miserable during the 24 hours a day. If we're upset at something that the president's done or upset at anything, it usually lasts for five seconds. For the most part, we all want to feel happy. We all love the same. We all breed the same and so forth. You know, I've been doing this, gosh, I've been doing, you know, even before Trump was president, I've been doing animal videos and <laughs> talking about absurd things even beforehand. I wasn't going to change. And all I the hummus. And I didn't talk about politics then either. Right. Um, I, truth be told, just, I don't talk about modern politics. I didn't talk about, I mean, because... I just, it's just not something, look, I care about what's happening in the country, but to have a conversation about it, you know, and I said this on your last podcast, it's like, I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change my mind. Let's all be capable of loving and liking things, you know, that, that are, that are similar. You know, we're not always going to agree, mm-hmm. but we can agree that pizza is awesome. Well, I will um, say, are you familiar with David Weissman? Yeah, yeah. That, so I he, think that story, his story is phenomenal. Yeah. And I mean, I, I will grant you that that's somewhat of an anomaly. Although there, right. there, there is a girl that I was fr- friends with, and I'm actually going to talk about this because there was something that happened that's kind of disappointing. But there's a woman that I know since I was 20, I think like 20, and she and I had, we basically went separate ways. Not that we were so close. We were close when we were younger, and then you know how it goes. You kind of know people on Facebook now, and, and occasionally three times a year we would comment on each other's posts, and that was the extent of our friendship for a number of years. So while we were close when we were young, we're not so much close now. And so she was posting information early on. Uh, I think it was probably in, like, I don't know, April or something. She was posting information about COVID that was not accurate and had been proved wrong, and I told her that. I said, you need to know that this this has been debunked it's not true and so her you know her whole take on it was like no you're wrong I don't know what to believe and you know I told her I said well you should listen to the experts and the scientists because they're the people who understand this better than any of us and unfortunately our president isn't but we can all still listen to like Anthony Fauci and so she told me that I was closed-minded for this and I was like okay I just I can't deal with you anymore I can't deal (laughs) so we stopped talking and I unfriended her on Facebook. And so I, I just got the other day, I, I, it was from November. I didn't even see, she, I think it was like on November 22nd, she messaged me and she said, you know, I just wanted to let you know that I'm really sorry for what I said to you. And I realize now that, you know, I didn't know what I was posting. She was basically just posting because her friend posted it and she was going along with her friend. And, and so she apologized for it. And so to a degree, she did kind of see the light. I didn't make her see the light. I think she lives in Florida, and there's a lot of there's a lot of death and sickness in Florida right now, and you know because of COVID. And I think she's finally starting to piece it together. So I'm grateful for that, and I do think that there are some cases where we can change each other's minds. But I do agree with you in the bigger picture, especially with some of these people who are in the cult. You can't change their mind, and it would be great if we could just. Find, you know, I mean, I will say I have a a family member who is a Trump supporter. She's like a full on Mm. MAGA. Um, We are able to coexist because she was a very loving person to me when I was growing up. She still is. And, you know, I mean, she and I don't agree on politics, but we don't talk about it 
we just we I can't talk about it with her because we're going to argue and I'm not going to argue with her. I'm just not. You know, it's like she took care of me when I was a little girl and she loved me and she's been very generous with me. And, you know, I mean, I know that it, you know, and there was one time where we had a conversation where I wanted to ask, I asked her who she was supporting in 2012. And, you know, I knew she was supporting the Republican ticket. I just wanted to know which candidate she was supporting. And she took that as an opportunity to start, you know, yelling about Obama. And when I say yelling, she was yelling. And I kept telling her, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about it. I would not. And so I finally just, you know, talked louder than her and said, we cannot talk about this. I just want to know who you're interested in. I just want to know who your candidate is. You, we don't have to talk about my candidate. I just want to know who yours is. And so eventually she stopped yelling at me about Obama, and she told me her te- her candidate was Ted Cruz, which is like, oh. But, you know, I didn't yell at her for it. I was just curious. I wanted to kind of, like, take the temperature of where she was. I think in some ways we have accomplished what you're talking about because we can still love each other, even though I can't believe some of the things that she chooses to do, and I'm sure she feels the same way about me. Uh, but we have found a way to bypass the politics and connect on a human level. And I guess that's a good thing. And she's the only Trumper that I would do that with. Yeah. That I would be able to do that. It would be really hard because I have this, I have this memory of her as a little girl, just, you know, being a wonderful person and influence in my life and as through you know I as growing up to this day again she's generous she always sends me money for my birthday and always sends me money for Christmas and you know she's given me money on occasion when she didn't have to and so it's like it's she's been a generous person to me financially and with her heart so um, it's it's just such a sad state though that we have this divide in our country and I I mean you know it's funny because I I want to talk about the fact that, you know, there, there is this, there is this expectation of what needs to be as a Gen X person, just like as any generation comes along. Boomers, they had a certain view and they come from a certain perspective and Gen X, Gen X is a bit of a mystery to me. You know, I feel like we got a lot of bad rap for being cynical, although I am cynical. I'm definitely a cynical. I mean, I'm very hopeful and positive on one level, you know, on one hand. And on the other hand, I'm very cynical. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm the only one. I mean, you don't come across as cynical to me. I, I am cynical. Um, you know, I, I think I... I I think that's it's something that that I, I get a trait from my father, which I, my father was a human resources guy for forever, and I think one of the traits I get from him, which I'm glad I have, is the ability to figure out bullshit from not bullshit mm-hmm. really fast. Um, I'm not saying I'm always right, but. You know, I because I, 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 I've certainly been proved wrong before, but I, I, I can spot it fairly easily. Um, maybe it's because I am a bullshitter, <laughs> um, but I, but I, but I can't. So whenever, when it comes to you know seeing someone, you know, look, most of the people in my family are Republican. You know, 
and a lot of them are, you know, a lot. Some are not Trump supporters, and some are. Mm-hmm. Some are amazingly racist, and and, and who don't think they're racist, but yeah. you know what? I don't talk to them anymore. Um, but you know, I'll say this. So you know, my my one of my only vices in this world. I'm you know, I've never been a big drinker. You know, I like a scotch or a Manhattan maybe once a week, if that. But my one of my only vices are cigars. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I just love relaxing with a cigar or whatever. And I, you know, and I often go to uh, a cigar lounge out here in, in L.A. I uh, used to go to one where Scott Baio was at all the time. But that's, <laughs> a, that's, a, that's another podcast for another time. <laughs> but I go to one where, you know, there's a good amount of liberals. You know, it's California. There's a good amount of liberals and there's a good amount of Trump supporters, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And... I've been going there now for 10 years and it's to me, it's like a family, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, there's one guy who is a conspiracy theorist, cuckoo for cocoa puff beliefs on, on, on the matter. But you know what? He's been fantastic to me. He's a loving guy. He's, he, he helped a, I, He's an electrician. So he helped me with an issue that I or or rewiring of something in my house. That's what I look at. I look at the capability of are you capable of love? If I know them, mm-hmm. not right. you know, it's easier to, it's easier to figure that out fast. Am I capable of, of of being able to disagree with them on something? That's I mean, or, or, or that's where I come in. Where where it's why I choose not to talk politics with people because I don't want that mindset. I don't want that anger i i may not agree with you i know you're not racist or whatever but i don't want to go there you know there an example would be a cousin of mine who would for years even when when obama was president would just send me shit on fox news crap on on obama like mm-hmm. like that's something to thwart me or or, or whatever right. Or, you know, he knew I was a big Kamala fan. So so he sent me an article that he she had sex with Willie Brown, which right. I find absolutely revolting. <laughs> but who cares? You know, it's like it, it's it's what what do you want me to do with this? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I'll see, some you know, just little things like that. And I think, you know, he was upset that I was you know, that I, I, I lean left and I go, look, I'm never going to talk politics with you. You, no matter how many of these you send, I'm not going to be this person. And, you know, he saw me co- comment on, on, uh, what the hell's the that job on Fox? The woman, the genie Spiro, Piro, whatever. Oh, bro, yeah. Was. Janine. Like Piro, I commented yeah. on one of her tweets once and she, he saw that and he lost his mind called me like called me an asshole on Twitter or, wow. or, or, or whatever. And, I'm, and I just wrote, and I just wrote back, you know what? I would never call you one. Yeah. I would never, I would never, I would never say anything like that to you regardless of our beliefs. And he called me later and he regretted it or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's like, that's the reason why I don't do it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want to have friction. I just, I, yeah, I will. I'm maybe I'm Pollyanna and I want everyone to be happy and smile. You know, that's, but that's me. And I and I, I, I'm a cynic about a lot of things. I think I'm more of a cynic in pop culture and, you know, or 
in in know, what way are you a cynic on pop culture? You know, like with like I'm not a big fan of like of of like manufactured like superstars. You know, mm-hmm. people who essentially just show up, record, and you know everyone lauds them as a genius yeah you know like so i'll be i'll i'll be like oh my god this is happening and, I, and i'll immediately without even hearing you just go get out of here you know what i mean it, it's you know it, it's it's like okay i understand you like beyonce she literally shows up and has a million people do things for her and we can't call her a genius if 99 percent of the people are doing the work <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can like the music. That's great, wonderful, but let's just hold off a little bit. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Where right. the ideas are coming from. <laughs> but you know, but but so I'm a cynic that way. It's mm-hmm. like I don't care for like the like the Marvel movies or the Avenger movies. I'm, but it's more of the mainstream pop culture of where I am a cynic. But when it comes to the hu- humanity and when it comes to best intentions and so forth, you know, I'm I am a cynic that way. But I also like to think that we are more we are much more capable of, of of the politics you know and what we believe i think we're more capable of liking each other even though it's so much easier to get angry at one another well yeah and i totally agree with you i think part of the anger though like for instance with me i certainly don't describe myself in an everyday situation as an angry person i certainly though do get angry when i think about the, the fact that, you know, like one of the things that m- turned me, which I don't consider myself so much of an activist anymore. Uh, I became an activist for the Equal Rights Amendment. And uh, interestingly enough, as Donald Trump, you know, was pr- has been president, the last three states needed in order to get it ratified into the Constitution voted for it. And interestingly, too, and I've said this many times, and I don't remember if the number is five to seven, but five or seven Republican men voted for it in Virginia this year. And so when I hear, when I hear, you know, I mean, I am more ready to say that, uh, sure, I'm absolutely willing, not that I would be doing it, but I, I'm willing for Republicans and Democrats to work together for the better of the people. And, 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 and it's like, as long as it's working for the better of the pe- you know, to better the people. Not, there, there are a lot of Republicans right now who don't want to work with Democrats, but there are Republicans out there who do. And so I think some of them feel they can't because Mitch McConnell's telling them that they can't or Donald Trump mm-hmm. is telling them that they can't. So they need to march, you know, march in lockstep and do what they need to do in order to please the leaders of their party. But I think that there are some of those Republicans that you were talking about that you miss are the Repu- back in the days when Republicans, yeah, they could argue about policy on the floor, but then they'd go have a drink and be friends, and they'd work on legislation that benefited the people. Of course, you know, it's not going to be pure enough for some, and it's, it's going to be too far for others, but the whole idea about this country is we have to compromise. We all live here. It's a big house. We all have to live here. So let's do what we need to do to make the country better for everyone. And there was a time. I mean, I think that there was, you know, there's been discrimination and patriarchy and all that throughout, but there have been times in our country where the two parties have come together and 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 made it work. You know, we've 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 made it work for the people, and I think we can do that now. But it's gotten. I think it, it, we're all capable of. I think of that. It yeah. just seems sometimes when we're so divided, it's impossible. 
But think of how divided we were in the 60s. Yes, I know. How divided we were in the Civil War time. Or, if, mm-hmm. in, you know, there are people who are anti-Roosevelt during World War II. We, we, we have – but we still found a way to – I'm like, look, when it comes to the Olympics, it's the only time in, the, in America <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where, where it doesn't seem like white trash holding an American flag. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we're all in that – that was my college thesis, by the way. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, what is something that's American? What was it? What name something that's American that's not cool? I don't know, something like that. But my whole thesis was on how we all rally around the flag when it's Olympic time, but mm-hmm. the rest of the time we think it's white trash. Um, anyway, that <laughs> um, was 20 something years ago. Um, I passed. Um, anyway, um, so I mean, it. it just, I think it's because of the time we're in, it seems hopeless. But again, it comes down to changing the mindset. It comes down to me. It comes down to you of how I'm going to present myself that day. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a day where Kimberly decides for one whole day, I'm not going to talk about anything but dolphins. I'm not going to talk about anything but what I plan, my, you know, a city or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but it's like little things like that of how we just change ourselves and, and, uh, you know, or how we can continue to, to give each other positive vibes and, and, and make other people feel appreciated. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, uh, why I do, I, I post the content that I do in addition to my normal tweets, but I post the content that I do is that we can all relate to something that is cute we can all re- relate to warmth. Mm-hmm. We can all relate to something funny that has happened that we that we all have a similarity to. Mm-hmm. Where I pose my Twitter questions, you know, like the other, like last week, the, my one that took off on what is a what is a word you just love to love to say despite you may not even know the meaning of it, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and we all have that mm-hmm. where where it's just like this is a this word is just ridiculously wonderful. What the hell does it even mean? I don't even know. And, you know, what is what is the first concert you remember? What is mm-hmm. the first record you ever bought? Mm-hmm. Things that provide warmth yeah. rather than always things that are going to provide ire or just to get me angry. It's, it's okay. And it's okay. You know, I, my, my friend Larissa, who's on Twitter, uh, you know, I'll, you know, she, I, I'll always see her responding to someone. She's, you know, she's, she's, she's Palestinian. So she'll see something that's meant the anti-Palestinian and she always comes in so hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. It's 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> Why? Well, I, you know what? I think I, I that, tell her that. I, and I joke with her with that, you know, right. but it's, but you know, I go, it's always like, you know, I still see, you know, people are retweeting politics like at 11. It's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, but the th- but see, I- I'm gonna say I'm gonna jump in and say, and I get where you're coming from because I'm really trying to, I'm really trying. I can be obsessive when I dive into something. I, I it's not that I obsess about it per se, but I'm obsessive with it. Where I I'm just all the time, all sure. the time. And 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 since I got involved into politics, I have not been able to like pull out of it. I mean, I'm totally as much as we're talking about it today. And I really thought this might take a different direction, but I'm, I'm kind of happy with this direction because it's making me try to feel like, okay, what is it? What is it that I could do? What is it that, but there's this other side of me, like to, to be on a positive, right? Um, there is this other side of me that 
or it, it's not even another side. It's really who I am to the core. Where like, for instance, I have a friend and she's a born again Christian. Now I am absolutely not religious, but we have, we, I don't see her anymore because I live in Maryland and she lives in California. But for a good long period, we were together all the time. We worked together. We hung out on the weekends. And she was basically my family. She has four kids, and then her brother had four kids. And so we would all get together on the weekends, and we would just go have lunch and go to the movies. And I loved it. I was living alone in California at the time. My mom was not there. So uh, they were my family. And so she was a born-again Christian, and the, the reason why we didn't have any issues is because, and the funny thing is we could talk about it and I could tell her exactly what I thought and she could tell me exactly what she thought and neither one of us would take offense if we didn't believe what mm -hmm. the other believed. We could just have this beautiful conversation, disagree and still be totally great friends. And she was also the kind of person that could just, you know, straight up look at me and say, you look like shit. And I never took offense. I would like agree with her. I'm like, yeah, I know. Because I was like, I couldn't get any sleep last night or whatever. But it was like, she, she didn't offend me. I didn't offend her. So when we, our friendship really started after she was going through a divorce and having a very difficult time financially. So my mother had suggested that maybe she ask her church for help. And so she, you know, her church that she had given money to over the years, especially at times when she didn't always have so much money, but she gave them money. So I called the church or, I mean, she told me she asked the church and they said no. And I'm like, okay, give me, give me your pastor's number. So I called the guy and I talked to her pastor and I, you know, I mean, I was very, I was respectful and I didn't scream at him or anything, but I shamed him. I shamed him so much because I, I, you know, I was trying to say, look, just, you know, one, one little thing that you could do to help somebody in your community who has given you so much money and so much of her time, um, you know, she's hurting right now and her, her children need food. And I said, you know, mm -hmm. I've helped her out. I've given her money, but I can't support her entire family. And I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that you should, but it's just, you know, help her. And he wouldn't do it. And so I recognized early on that he was just not going to budge, but I knew he wasn't going to hang up on me because he just couldn't. He was a pastor and he was just going to listen to me. So I just went off and I, I told him how unfair I thought that was and hypocritical and all the stuff. And, you know, he was for it. So it's like, it was, you know, the same thing. It's like when I was in, in high school, I was in debate class and I know my teacher loved me because I would get up there and like all the boys in the class, as soon as I went up to the front, their eyes would roll. It's like, oh no, here she is. And I, I, I liked to push. I like to push against boundaries. I like to push against things that I think are wrong and stand up for things that I believe in. And so that's why I'm so obsessive when it comes to politics, because my eyes have been opened, you know, over the course of 20 years, slowly, mm -hmm. slowly, you know, it started with the hanging Chad fiasco, that got my attention. And then, yeah, I started, you know, I don't know exactly remember when it was, but I started watching Bill Maher, who I don't watch anymore. And I was watching Rachel Maddow. And then, and then I, I who really, I don't watch anymore. <laughs> and, and I really jumped in to politics in 2012, almost by accident, because I was trying to get off the ground, my book, the Virgin Diaries. And the thing that put me into 
you know, what I'm doing today right now talking on this podcast is that I wrote an open letter to Rush Limbaugh from a liberal slut because he, you know, called this woman uh, a slut because she wanted to have mm-hmm. birth control in her school. And so Sandra Fluke. Anyway, so people really liked that and it resonated with them. And so that was where I found attention. That's where I was uh, because my whole goal was to get my books off the ground. And, and so I had this friend, this wealthy friend say to me, you need to establish yourself and get people to like you and then they'll want to read your book. So I took that to heart and I saw that I got attention when I would post things about politics. And it wasn't that I was getting attention. It was, it was the idea that was getting attention. And so a lot of people had all these opinions on it. And, and then it made me have more opinions and more questions and I would throw more out there and, you know, and I have very strong opinions and my, my goal was never, 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 never to make people angry, but it's almost impossible in politics not to make people angry. It, my goal has always been the same. I want to call and, and, and shout out and call out things that I think are wrong. And, and I know that there are a lot of people who don't necessarily have either the motivation to do it, the recognition that it's there, or they don't have the power. And I've been able to build up, I mean, I'm not the most powerful person on Twitter, obviously, but I have a decent platform. And so, you know, I I feel like, well, I have this platform, so I want to use this platform to help as many possible people as I can. And I became an ERA activist. I wanted the ERA to pass. And it's passed now. If we can, if we can get the Senate, if Democrats can get the Senate, it's a very good shot that we can put it into the Constitution because there's this whole legal battle. Anyway, um, but it it feels to me like there's a fine line. Like I I absolutely want to. I think it's extremely important to put out the positive. It's absolutely vital that we have positive, and not everybody has to be political. But at the same time, I think it's important to if you feel very strongly about something and you see something that's going on that is not right that you speak up about it and i'm not saying that you should i'm just saying that you know if uh, i think your your dog your dog like your dog (laughs) everyone loves so so pretty she just passed 1400 twitter followers really wow she's a beautiful dog by the way (laughs) that's my girl no she's I, i i've I tell everyone I go out. I, I've spent more time with her in the last. She's she'll be thirteen next week. Aww. I've I've spent more time with her in thirteen years than anyone else. Yeah, seriously. Right. And I I mean I've got two kids. Wife. You know it's like. <laughs> she's but literally our animals my right are hand. so special. So. <laughs> well, yeah. No, and I, so I just I mean I feel like that. You know, talking to you makes me feel like, okay, well, I, I, am not going to change who I am. Obviously I'm not going to change my behavior, no, but, but overall, it's not chang- well, it's yeah, not changing who you are. It's it, maybe it's a remembering of who you are mm-hmm. and maybe it's a, you know, it may, maybe it's just a way of just kind of tweaking your life to focus more on, look, I can still be an activist and still remember that little things can be beautiful. Well, I yeah. And I absolutely create. post I about still those share the things. beauty yeah. of, of, of things. That's where, that's where I think, look, my, I mean, look, my feed is dedicated to making people happy and remembering for people to smile. I, I don't want, I don't, I mean, not everyone is like that. I don't expect them to be like that. Mm-hmm. 
but I think it's just remembering that it's, I mean, it's obviously okay to feel, but if I come to you, Kimberly, and we're hanging out for the day, you're not going to, you and I are going to be sitting and talking about politics all day. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I, I mean, we're going to, I mean, we'll be talking about a bunch of things, you know, we'll be, you know, talking about food, talking about what happened yesterday, talking about, right. And talking about, you know, because I, I lived in Torrance, so close to Redondo Beach, we'd be talking about that. (laughs) I was born there. In Torrance? I was, I was born in Torrance. Wow. Absolutely. You know where, you know where I lived? Do you know the Willow Tree Apartments? Next. Oh my God. Yes, I do. (laughs) I lived right, I went to South High School and I lived right next door. So that was like an awesome place to. I didn't um, know you went to South High School. That's fantastic. I went to West and I went to South. In 10th grade, I went to West High School. That was a, you know, and, and when, I, so when I think back to the 80s specifically, you know, boy, that was a huge time in 10th grade because that particular school was Mm -hmm. so focused on a popularity and b fashion and so there were groups of people that were i mean and and i have pictures of them in my yearbook where they had like the um the mod crowd and then they had the new romantic crowd and then they had the rocker crowd and so most the most popular at least in my opinion and, and the most popular was kind of like the um Oh God! What is it? It's just, it was just basically pop culture at the time. It was like the, there were the Madonna types and 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 just the nouveau whatever popular fashions were going on. And and I remember going to that school was I had never experienced anything like it. Popularity was the only thing, and it was all about how popular you were. And I managed to get in with the popular crowd. I was not the popular person, but I hung with the popular crowd and I failed three classes at the end of the year because I just cared more about popularity than I did about my homework or anything. And, uh, you know, the next year my mother just said to me, she's like, all right, well, you have to stay home for the first semester and you have to get A's and B's on your report card and you can't go out. (laughs) And if you don't get A's and B's on your report card, then you have to stay in for the second semester. So, of course, I got A's and B's. Um, and, but that's when I went to South and I, I, I had learned through West High, that experience at West High, it was like so dumb, this whole idea about being popular and who gives a shit. It was just such a fucking waste of time. And, you know, I, I failed three classes because of it. I, I failed math, science and French. <laughs> it's like, wow. I just didn't care because I was so wrapped up in, you know, clothes and, and, and parties and popularity. And then I went over to South High. It was such a different situation, and it was closer to the beach, and I had oh, it was it was an amazing time. I really loved my experience there. Um, I remember in, in I I was concerned where I was going to go to high school because we were still living in Redondo Beach when I was going to a Catholic school in Hermosa Beach, and I didn't want to go to a Catholic high school. I was over the uniforms. I, you know, I just, I, I didn't like the, the, the lack of freedom that was, that was there and just, it just wasn't my thing. And I always heard the rumor of, of, of West High was, is that the girls were always freaks <laughs> and, and there were a lot of metal heads there. So I was a metal <laughs> And so, and so I felt like I identified with that. So that's actually where <laughs> that's I so, wanted to go. That is funny. 
but eventually we moved when we moved to Palos Verdes, I went somewhere else. Right. But that West High was like for at least a good two years of my life. That's where I wanted to go. Wow. That's because, so funny. Yeah, it's truth. And I and but but the, what's funny is I only knew one person in my life that went to West High. And most I knew more people that went to South High. South, I, I actually hmm. kind of like South High. I, I, always, I, I always was kind of like a little jealous of that school because it seemed a little bit cooler than mine. So <laughs> anyway. That was, that, was, that was a fun time. I mean, I, I definitely look back on that. But it was like I think in terms of the 80s and so much of my experience in the 80s, I, I, like, I put torrents to that. And it was colorful and it was bright. And I remember mm-hmm. my mother, you know, found she, – she was working – I you may remember Peyton Kramer Ford – but she worked at Peyton Kramer Ford on Pacific Coast Highway, and she, yes. you know, she made very good money, and we lived well. And you know, there were ups and downs. She was a single mom, so there were definitely ups and downs with money in our life. Never poor per se, but I mean, definitely times where she liked to. Re- she, her friend told her one time. She told her friend she was crying because she was having a hard time with money, and she said something like, "I'm poor," and he goes, "You're not poor. You're temporarily out of funds." <laughs> so, she she took on that temporarily out of funds. So we were never poor, poor, but we, you know, I mean, she struggled. But then there were times that were you know great, and so it, during the '80s, in that particular time, like '84, '85, '86, times were good. And everything was bright and colorful, and I had these, like, I don't know, po- like, you know, Pollyanna ideas about where things were going. And it's just funny to me. You know, I, I, I had this idea for this conversation that we were going to have, and it kind of went off into different directions than I thought. But I still think it's an interesting conversation because what I'm taking from it is that, you know, as much as I'm still going to remain the person I am and have the belief system I do, I wish there would could be some way. And as we move forward with the Biden administration, and hopefully there's – going to be an exhaustion uh, from what we've just experienced and a desire to get back to what we have in common. Because like you said, aside from everything else, there's all these things that human beings have in common. Take politics out of it. Uh, You know, there's love, there's, there's smiling and having fun and all that stuff. And it, and if we could figure out as a nation to find that commonality again, you know, and, and uh, just like you said, with the Olympics, find that patriotism, find that desire to connect because we are all connected anyway. We're all energy and we're all connected. I mean, mm-hmm. it would so benefit us. I mean, there, there's an importance of, OK, stay engaged, stay politically engaged, understand, you know, who it is you're voting for and all of that. But then there's also the other picture, which is the bigger picture, which is just who we are as a people and how we relate to each other. And, you know, maybe, you know, I, I want to, you know, I, I'm certainly going to, after having this conversation, think in those terms again, not that I'm going to make some 180 on who I am, but at the same time, what are the things that possibly could bring you know stop this divide you know i mean we, we're fighting against a lot we're fighting against certain certain news medias that are not being truthful and honest other kinds of news media that is recognizing that it's you know they can make a lot of money and and get ratings off of certain kinds of news mm-hmm. stories and that that's divisive for us we have to fight against that kind of thing um but I mean, obviously, there have been, as you said, there have been times in our country, civil war, whatever, 1968, the year I was born, was very, very divisive and, you know, crazy times. And, and, and then we found our way back. So I'm like, I'm, I, I'm, 
I just want, that's what I want. I think that's what a lot of us want. Um, and we don't necessarily know how to get there because we have to figure it out for ourselves. We don't have so many leaders anymore doing that for us. And when I say leaders, I do mean the news media. I mean politicians. I mean teachers, people who are in, in leadership positions who are guiding us and, and helping us form what we're seeing and what we're thinking. And, I, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, it's collectively we have to do it. We did do it in this election. We came together and we united yeah. and we, we did it. So it's possible to do it. So I, yeah, I, I can say that I'm hopeful. Anything is possible. Yes. Yes, it is. If we can is. have a reality TV show, guys, a president, then anything is possible. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to – I think I'm going to end it here. But, I, I mean, I do truly appreciate – and like I said, I mean, I, I, I wasn't necessarily wanting to talk about politics, and then we kind of talked about politics. And, but, I, but I think that there's like, you know, as you were saying, there is this bigger picture. And I, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to talk to you because you did make me, at the very least, think about some of those things in a different way. And that's the whole point of being a human, right? <laughs> yeah. And we can make that another episode, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, I do appreciate you being here. And uh, before we go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Danny, D-A-N-Y, D-R-A-N-E-Y, just the whole name, nothing else. And uh, Instagram uh, and Twitter. Okay. That's really it. All right. Well, I'm going to, in the description of the show, I'm going to put the links to both of those pages. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. And you can find my books on Amazon at Kimberly Johnson. And, you know, I, I, I've written about teen abortion. I've written – it's funny because I like to write for teenage girls. That's my – I don't know why, but that's, like, the thing that I like to do. And I like to empower them. So I wrote about teen abortion. I wrote about – I wrote The Virgin Diaries, which is about – or actually, I didn't write it. I collected stories from people who uh, explain what it feels like to lose their virginity. And although I don't like the term virginity, so I'll say first-time sex. The only book that I didn't write, though, for younger girls is Ain't No Sunshine, although it could be Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak, because that's about men who ha and, and how they deal with pain and heartbreak. Because I think a lot of people don't think men are as emotional but they're very emotional i agree and so yes. i wanted i wanted to collect stories from men you know they're anonymous and you know they explain this is what it was like for me when i you know when this person broke my heart or when my wife left me or divorce or whatever it was or you know there were gay men straight men men from all over so anyway those are my books you can go to amazon and find them i really thank you for coming on the show and i thank you all for listening and uh take care everyone and be safe and thank you danny Thank you, Kimberly. Bye-bye.